Welcome to Out of Rich Darkness. I'm Camille Savage-Kroll. And I'm Elena Chia. We're both professors at the University of Music in Freiburg, Germany. In this podcast, we reimagine the ways in which we learn and make music and explore how it can be part of a holistic, healthy way of being in the world. invited out-of-the-box thinkers and pioneers in the music world to speak to us about their lives and creative processes. In addition to appearances on the podcast this season, our guests participated as coaches in a new course that we designed and taught together at the Hochschule für Musik Freiburg. creative powerhouse come to mind. She is a Jill of all trades. A musician is just one of them who lives life to the fullest. Erin is also an award-winning TV and video director and producer for networks, including BBC, Arte, Off, and PBS. As an immersive audio expert, she has worked with industry leaders such as Dolby, the Fraunhofer Institute, Sennheiser, and the Immersive Audio Network. Erin has leveraged her multidisciplinary creative and business expertise as a startup consultant, creative director, voiceover artist, visual artist, photographer, and international opera and classical singer. Did I forget anything? It's a long list. <laughs> I think that's it. I think what impresses me the most, though, is how you, Erin, don't miss an opportunity to be playfully creative. And, um, and I also appreciate that you're not shy about sharing your ideas and your creations with others. This is something that I sometimes struggle with. Um, I'm thinking even of just a small example, which, uh, which you posted on your aptly named Instagram, Erin does it, of a, <laughs> a snow lady sculpture that you made on the streets of Salzburg one night. I think you were coming home yes. right from, from yes. work. Yes. Yep. And this is not your average snow person. This uh, <laughs> the snow lady was uh, was really a work of art, and um, and this is just a, a tiny example of something that you did on the side that doesn't even have anything to do with your in quotes work. I'm wondering where does all this creative energy come from? <laughs> um, yeah, that's a good question. Um, where does it come from? I. I don't know if I can tell you exactly where it comes from, but I know that I make it a point to make it a huge part of my life. It is the focus of everything that I do. It's the heart and soul and the core of who I am as a person. And I make space and I make room for that all the time. So coming home, I actually that snow woman um, <laughs> um I was pretty proud of that actually yeah I I, I was coming home from um assistant directing at Mozartwoche here in Salzburg um for all of the this was the first time that they did digital Mozartwoche so everything was um streamed live and uh it was a, an incredibly incredibly intense 
10 days, not actually week, but 10 days. And it was right after one of those super long days, like 16 hours or something like that. And it was snowing. It was so beautiful. And I was exhausted, but I was also so inspired by everything that I had just seen and been part of for, you know, all of those days leading up to it, that it just, I don't know, it just, I saw this giant, it was actually just like a giant boulder of snow. I think someone had made a snowman. That's right. Someone had made a snowman before and the head had fallen off. And I felt it was so sad. Like the whole thing was sad looking because the snowman before was really sweet. And I thought, I'm going to put that back together. And then I just started sculpting and then I, it, it, it came out. (laughs) Yeah. Insane. We need to find a picture of this um, because this was no, I I also appreciate that it became a snow woman. (laughs) Yes. 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 yes, yes. But she was gorgeous and sculpting (laughs) is right and had flowers and and everything. Um, Yeah. It was, it was amazing. Well, you know, I, I think um, of a, of a quote, um, from Picasso, which might fit pretty well also to, to what you do. He one time said something along the lines of, I'm always doing things I can't do. That's how I get to do them. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I love that. And, and I Amen. think that <laughs> it fits to you quite well also. Um, yeah. Maybe you could just give us a little bit of an idea. I mean, mm-hmm. I know this, but give everything <laughs> a bit of an idea of how you came to be you. <laughs> Which again, oh, man. A tiny little question, but that, how did yeah. you end up in Zeitzburg doing this plethora of, of things all that you do? All the things, all the things. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, that's, how much time do you got? No, I'm I kidding. know there's um, no <laughs> short answer, but maybe there um, could be a condensed yeah, answer. Let me, let, let, me, let me see what kind of a nutshell I can put together for you. So we met back at Eastman because I was doing my master's there and um, that was in opera, classical voice. Um, Went on after that to do a bunch of open studio type things, Santa Fe Opera and um, uh, Ravinia Festival and several things like that. And then I kind of came to the end of that line of young artist time and I felt like the cliff was about to drop off (laughs) um, out from underneath me and um, and there luckily I had the opportunity to come to Austria to well first to Germany um, to do an audition and then uh, the year after then I was invited to be part of the inaugural class of a um, a, a training program and festival um, in Neumarkt, in the Oberpfalz, so um, near Nuremberg, and um, that was that. Those experiences and all of the auditions that I did in and around there, those things. That was when everything clicked. When I knew it's time. I have to. I have. This is where I need to be, and I just have to figure out how to make that happen. And um, I had an agent at the time that I got connected with through all of those auditions. And she said, wow, absolutely. I really think this could, you know, you could really work here. I really think this is, 
you know, for sure your future. Um, and I was, I, it was quite clear that I was going to be moving into some pretty significant, um, dramatic, more dramatic repertoire. So obviously I needed to come to the places where they do that most often. Um, and, uh, and I said, okay, great. So how does somebody do that in terms of visa, job, all of those important things? And she said, I have no idea, but if you figure it out, give me a call. Um, and, and I was like, all right. Super okay. helpful. <laughs> yeah. On your own here. Super helpful. Um, so then, great. I've got this opportunity, this possibility. Um, and I just figured, you know, I, did, I, I, I really spent a lot of time thinking about all of this. Is this really the right decision for me? This would really mean making a huge leap and leave my family and my friends and my country and my everything um, for this big question mark of an opportunity. And in amongst all of that decision making and the reflecting on what it is, who I am as a person and who I want to become, I dug deep and I realized that I, I know that there are many layers <laughs> to who I am and many facets and making this leap, taking myself outside of my, yeah, the, the place in the world that I, that had all of the expectations already written for me. This was going to be the way that I was going to be able to figure out who the best version of me really was. So I came here with complete open arms and I said to the universe, all right, I did the hard stuff. I came here. Um, now what? Now, what, what, what is it? And I just kept, I kept paying attention to that North Star, that thing that, that felt like, you know, that, okay, kept checking in like, okay, this, this opportunity, hmm, is this resonating? Does this feel right? Does this feel interesting? Does this feel like something I want to learn? Yeah. Okay. Well then I'm going to follow up with that. I'm going to keep um, exploring that. And it was just it was a matter of exploration. Some of it was a matter of necessity. Um, I did wind up getting my visa, um, my artist visa through my background in media. Um, and I started with a production company here in Salzburg that, that focuses completely on classical music for um, broadcast and uh, documentary and film and, and things like that. Um, and, and now of course, live streaming. Um, and that's where I started picking up lots of small side um, uh, skills and experiences and, and putting them all together. And, and yeah, I just kept trying and I kept saying yes. But that, that quote that you said about Picasso, that's Picasso, right? Is that who you yeah, said? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's, 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 that's. I'm, I'm keeping that. I want to like put that on my wall because that is exactly, that's who I am. I basically have said yes to things before I've known exactly how to do them. <laughs> and then I figured them out um, along mm -hmm. the way. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. I, I would love to jump in with there just for a second, because that is just, it, it seems like it's such an un-European thing to do. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, absolutely. it is because no security there. 
Yeah, especially in Germany, the tradition is you train to do one thing. Yeah. Um, you study one thing and then you have those blinders on because the, that is the thing that you've trained to do. This is the thing you've studied and you're not going to look to the left and to the right. But um, I love your analogy of the North Star. Um, yeah. And would you say that the North Star is like your intuition guiding you? Yeah, it's it's my inner knowing and it we all have it. I think that we're just not all quiet enough sometimes to listen to it. Amen. And it takes getting really quiet with yourself to find out what, where that North star is pointing you in the first place. And then you have to continue to be, to find that peace and find that quiet along the way, even in this chaotic life that we have to make sure that you're, you're staying connected with that. And, and, and that tiny little voice inside you, you know, sometimes it's just like the, the hair that stands up on, the, on your arm or, um, or that like tightness in your, in your stomach when you're presented with a situation or you're have an opportunity or, you know, you're faced with a challenge and whether you choose, whether you, whether you know whether this is something that you should pursue or not, whether this is something that feels right or wrong, you know, you really know, you know it. You might poll 14 of your friends or ask your mom or whatever, but in the end, you know. So that's, yeah, that's my North Star. So how do you find that quiet? Do you have a ritual or a meditation practice or something that helps you find that stillness? I do. I do. Um, it was a big part of actually why I chose to move and chose to move to Salzburg and to stay in Salzburg um, because I found that this part of the world really resonated with me and really gave me a chance to be surrounded by beauty so for me when I have when I have calm and beauty around me it's much easier for me to tap into that I'm I'm from a suburb of Chicago I spent many 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 years of my life living in Chicago New York was like my second home so I know big cities I know them really well but I also um, I know that I'm I would never be capable of doing all of these things if I were in a place where I had all of this external information coming at me all the time. I'm also a little bit like, you probably have seen, you know, could assume by my resume, I'm a little bit like a crow with shiny objects when it comes to opportunities to do things because I'm like, oh, now that sounds really cool. Ooh, and I want that. Ooh, yeah, I want to see that. Um, so really making a conscious choice to, to be in a place and to really sink into a place that is a little calmer and a little quieter. That alone is the foundation for how I can do that. But I do have a meditation practice and I've been doing it for years and years. Yoga is really important to me. I hike all the time. Um, now, thanks to the fact that I live in Austria, I ski, uh, I ski often. And, um, and I just finally have gotten good enough and the confidence enough to really go by myself and I now can do ski touring so I can really just pick up and go to those quiet places where it's med meditative and beautiful and yeah and that's that's how I get back there and that is also a way of replenishing 
your energy and nourishing your soul. And I I also find that that is so crucial. If I don't have that balance in, Mm -hmm. in my own life as well, there is no creative energy flowing. um, If my, if my batteries aren't charged. Um, Absolutely. Oh, I 100% agree with you. And your body will tell you if you, if you ignore it for long enough, which I did for a long time. Um, oh, we've all been there. <laughs> we've all been there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you if you don't get sick, then you get an injury, right. and you know. And sometimes these things they just pile up until you listen, and mm. you're like, okay, body, <laughs> I get it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They our bodies have so much to teach us. They do. You gotta listen. You gotta yeah. listen. Yeah. What would you say you have learned about yourself through your creative work? I mean, you've just hinted about um, mm. things that you've learned through through burning out, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, through pushing yourself too hard. Yeah. Um, but have you discovered things about yourself through these projects that you've that you've done? Yes, that I am capable of so much more than. I gave myself credit for and that I have the resources, whether it's just the resources within me or whether it's the resources to figure out how to connect the dots through other people Mm. that I know, through networking, Mm -hmm. through learning, through continuing, continuing to learn all of that. I've, that, I, I just, I've proven to myself that I can do it, that I, um, if I want to figure it out, I can. Mm-hmm. And that, that is so freeing. Yeah. Yeah. Can I, can I just go back to the crow looking uh, for shiny objects <laughs> thing? Because, because I feel like I'm that kind of person too. Yeah. And, um, and my biography, while not nearly as wildly interesting as yours, um, could also be like uh, on a good day when people ask me what I do, I'll say, um, oh, I've done this and this and this and mm-hmm. and now I do this. And on a bad day, I'll just say, well, I just gave up on everything. Yeah. And, you know, I just couldn't make any choices. And I just have this completely chaotic thing that you can't call a career. So yeah. how do you define your biography? Um, not on a website, not, you know, the marketing biography, but, but for you, what is your story of you? <laughs> that is, that's a great question. And I, what you just said totally resonates also with me. Um, I, I know what that's like. And I think, especially during the process of it, during the becoming process, you know, when, when things are not clicking into place fully or when you're feeling like uh, like you said when it's a bad day when you just are feeling overwhelmed or you just have no more energy left and you're thinking oh my god what have I actually done what have I accomplished how how do I how do I even define myself you know that's um, I know exactly what that feels like Um, how do I how do I define myself though gosh not necessarily um, define yourself, but what is your story? Like, what is the story you tell yourself about you? That is a really, that, I, it's a great, it's a really great question. I, I don't know if I'm going to come up with the most eloquent answer right now. Um, but I am, 
I'm a creative human and I am a human who loves other humans and loves to listen and to tell stories. And I have found, I've, I've found my way and I've, I've, I've created my life around that as a foundation. So being with people, but also being by my, being, finding my solitude, being really creative, but also totally being, you know, couch potato sometimes because it, that's what it takes too. Um, but creativity and curiosity are the two foundations of mm-hmm. me, I think. I love too yeah. that you mention other people so often um, because yeah. I think something about your spirit that's so wonderful is that you you do have this determination and um, and drive and sense that if you want to pursue something that you can and will do that. But at the same time, you know that you don't have to do it by yourself. Yeah. And, and you, you have built a network and, um, and cared for a network of people that you can rely on. Yeah. And, um, and that's so important. I'm wondering if you could say a few more words about, about that, about your network and, and maybe also about, collaborating with people I mean how do you how do you what makes a good collaboration how do you choose the people that you want to collaborate with um so gosh you guys are like hitting on all the all the points all the good stuff um yeah (laughs) other people and my my community and yeah it's so important that's so important that's what um I don't want to be the center of my story. I mean, each of us has to be, of course, but in some way in the end, but, but I don't, you know, I, I just find it so important to be part of um, a nurtured community of people. And mine just happens to be totally varied because I have, so many facets of my life, but I, I put a lot of time. And I th- thank you for mentioning that because that's actually so, so important to me. I do put a lot of time and effort into um, nurturing my community. And, and I've got a, um, a group of friends here, various ages, um, and we call each other family. And, you know, especially when you live so far from home, I think you do. It's sort of the modern version of, uh, of, of, of family. Um, but we, we care for each other in a way that is really special and unique. And we, we've been able to, um, you know, we really set intentions for our little group where we, support each other and we celebrate each other and it's non-judgmental and we um we literally said said that at a dinner a year or two ago something like that where you know we wanted to make that a space for us to just show up as who we are but also to aspire to be something collectively better than we are individually so, um, and I think I, I try to put that into my whole life, all of the people around me. And, um, and, and sometimes I'm really, I've had to be, I've, I, I found out the hard way that I had to um, call some people from my inner circle 
because, uh, you know, sometimes you put trust and vulnerability to people who you aren't necessarily, who don't necessarily, who haven't necessarily earned it. Um, and I know that I was for sure um, guilty of that for a long time. And I've had to become really careful about um, who I invest my time and energy into because I know that I'm also, it's like a give and take kind of thing. So I just have to be careful about that. But um, the, the network, you know, I, I, so I've done a lot of work in business and with startups and things, and people are always grumping about networking. And um, I just don't see it as, as such a negative. It's for me is if you're investing in the human beings around you, then your network is going to grow naturally. And sure, sometimes you need to yeah. put effort into directed networking. Yeah, sometimes it is just right. business oriented, but you don't have to look at the people who you're connected in business with as a means to an end. You can look at them as another human being that you just want to get to know better. And you're going to learn something from those other people. So you might as well just show up and, and ask questions and, and listen. Mm-hmm. I love how intentional you are about the people around you. And, and I love the point that you made too about growing a network naturally, that it's not necessarily something that has to be strategical, but that you can, you can look at who is around you mm-hmm. and of those people that are, that are in your life, where do you want to invest? Where do you want to follow your curiosity? Um, That's really great. And I got chills too, when you said that you decided collectively to Mm -hmm. to set intentions about um, supporting each other, that is so, so valuable. And yeah, it's, it's a lesson I'm still learning that we don't have to do things. I don't have to do things by myself. <laughs> no, and but you, you, what you said about that is so right. And, and let me just quickly, before we move on from that, I was thinking about this when you said it. Um, I, I, I know that I don't have to do everything by myself, but I think it's also a little bit in my nature to try. Yeah. Um, and, um, and while that's really great in some respects, it's also exhausting and not necessary. And it takes your energy away from investing in the things that you are really good at. And um, I had to, I had to learn the hard way that no, I can't do everything because in some ways I'm like, yeah, I can do it. I can do it all. But other people are going to be able to do aspects of those things way better than I can. And they are professionals at these things for a reason. So um, learning my limits and learning what I really suck at is actually just <laughs> as valuable. Um, and like giving up <sighs> the reins <laughs> yeah. and like, you know, hiring somebody to do my taxes instead of sitting, like pulling my hair out over how to manage mm-hmm. this in like, all the countries where I work. It's like, yeah, I'm going to pay somebody to do that. Um, (laughs) Luckily, that's not really a creative uh, activity. (laughs) No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. But you never know. (laughs) You never know. uh, I'm sure there is some creativity somewhere in there. I mean, it it can be a little creative. Yeah. Yeah. I I feel like the tax people who work with artists definitely have to be a little creative. (laughs) Most have to squeeze that in there. (laughs) Most definitely. <laughs> well, 
one thing that I would love to to know about um, to kind of change directions, but also come back to something that you mentioned earlier, um, is what role do you think being vulnerable plays in your creative endeavors? I know a lot of it, especially when you're a freelancer, um, when you're looking to do new things, we have to always put our best selves forward. Um, mm -hmm. But what's the flip side of that? What does what does being vulnerable or, or does that play a role for you? Absolutely. I mean, I think that's that's the foundation for me of who I am as a human being that I I don't think you can connect with other human beings if you're not vulnerable. For me, vulnerability is a strength that is if you if you figure out how what that if you figure out what that means to you if you if you can also identify it in other people then you I think I don't know I just I think it 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 helps you it helps you to become a lot more empathetic um because if you can show up as the truest form of yourself if you can show up not just as the shiny you know, uh, headshot version of yourself. But if you can show up as the real actual version with, with, you know, all of the issues and those things that you're terrible at and the ability to say, I don't know. And I haven't figured that out yet, or I'm not sure, but let's figure that out together. Or I'm not sure, but I'd like to learn. Then you're going to get much farther, much faster. You're always going to be bumping into yourself along the way if you are putting up this facade in front of you. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. Bumping into yourself, yes. That's a really good yeah. way of putting it. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. as you're saying this, I was, I was just thinking about what you said earlier about how when you were doing these festivals and youth, um, young artist programs yeah. in the States, you realized that you were getting... Sort of towards the end of that time of for young artists and that you felt like you were about to fall off a cliff. Yeah. And I was kind of contemplating this today because, you know, have, since nothing has been going on musically, I've been surrounded by only young people in <laughs> in the Hochschule, only the people yeah. I teach really. Yeah. And, and they still, despite trying circumstances, they have this spark in their eyes. Like this is fun, you know, even though yeah. uh, we have so few opportunities now, we're still, we're still up for this. Today, I did this recording session um, with all really good musicians, but they're about my age, you know, they've been in the business <laughs> 20 years or so. And, um, and it was such a shock to me again, to just look around and see the eyes are just, they're just dull. Yeah. And, um, and it's sad and, and they're still playing great. Yeah. Yeah. It just strikes me that you, you found that you heard the call or you, you saw the danger and yeah. you saw the potential for expanding yourself so much more yeah. by saying, I don't know, let's try this. Um, yeah. And, and that's super inspiring to me. Thanks. It seems yeah. like, I don't know, do you want to say something more about that? Like it, it has led to a life of continuing to open rather than to close. That's exactly what I would say. That's exactly it. I made that intention quite consciously when I moved here, um, that 
that I wanted to always be expanding, that I always wanted to be curious and to be playful and to, to look kind of like to pick up the rug and see what's underneath um, or like open that door that's always closed. To me, that's, that's, that's life. That is living a good, fulfilling, connected life. And I have been through times where I've, where, um, where I felt, where I've had those dull eyes for sure. Um, so I know exactly what you're talking about. I, think I we all have. Yeah, we all have. And some, and again, sometimes it's a little bit out of necessity. Sometimes it's out of, um, w- you know, getting through the grind to get to the point where you can be happy on the other side. But, but then you If you feel if you're if you're that way for too long, even for more than a couple of days, it depends on how long you can sustain that you've got to, again, slow down, get quiet and and figure out, well, reframe it a little bit like, you know, so these people have been in the business, they've been playing a long time. What's really inspiring about that? What is it about that knowledge that you have that you can maybe turn around and do something different with? Maybe that means you can become a a teacher and you hadn't been teaching before maybe that means that you can take this and go play for um people in a senyonheim where they wouldn't necessarily appreciate the music and then uh they, they wouldn't they would appreciate the music they wouldn't have the opportunity to hear it um or in covid times you go play outside of it you know it's about then getting a little bit creative with um with that moment of exhaustion that moment of like I feel disconnected again why what else what what am I missing yeah Yeah, that's so great if you can see that as an opportunity and a a, a warning sign but but really an opportunity when your body says this is this is it (laughs) yeah to then say okay this is actually a door that's being opened and where could it go and yes. and if you can do that without judging yourself, because I yeah. think musicians, especially, I, I think more even than than other types of artists Absolutely. have so much judgment for themselves if they're not doing the one exact thing that they went to school for yep. Yep. <laughs> at a very high level all the time. All the time, and- yeah. <laughs> Well, and if we can yeah. just see all the other possibilities and see that as something that will also make us better musicians and better people yeah. um, and really see it as a, as a plus instead of, instead of thinking, oh, if I, you know, if I have to do something else, then. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I for sure fell prey to that mentality. Um, I, you know, I, I spent so many hours practicing like every other musician and I thought for a while that's what that's what I wanted that I wanted the life that that came with all of those hours and was like well I put in all this time I should I should be reaping the benefits of that and you know and and why am I not um only doing this and like oh how can I be okay with myself if I'm you know if I'm doing something other than just singing I think COVID, the COVID crisis for a lot of musicians has has taught them that uh, you just you just can't rely on the one thing. Um, this is, you know, yes, we're taught this this we're taught this one thing, and sure, there are 
orchestras out there who, and there's a, there's a very defined path in many ways to get into this orchestra to win these jobs. And, you know, and then you do this one and then you're kind of here on this fixed contract and you can do a few other things in the off season and la la. Um, same with singers. If you know um, a lot of singers from the U S and Australia and whatever they come to, Germany, uh, Austria, Switzerland to become part of the fest system and then you kind of work your way through that and then it's it's it seems like it's a very defined path but the reality is it is it's not and it and maybe for a very few very small number of people it it will be and that's okay that's just their story Mm -hmm. um but if if it's not if your path ends up looking different, then that's just your story. Your story looks different from anyone else's story. So mm-hmm. why are you expecting your value and your worth and your happiness to be tied to a story that's not yours? Mm. Yeah. Very wise words. Oh. <laughs> really? Yep. Oh, man. <laughs> Hard, hard earned wisdom. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, I mean, I feel like I've learned that lesson and I've learned it and I've learned it and I've learned it and I've learned it. And I forget it and I forget it and forget it and forget it. Me too. Oh, come on. Like, it's a a constant, yeah. Like, you know, checking in with yourself. Like, oh, come on. I can't get angry that like this one thing isn't going the way that I thought it was supposed to, but come on, like it's, it can't, it can't yeah. always, it will sometimes, but even those mm-hmm. people, like the, the people in the, in the, in the, uh, Vina Philharmonica, they also have things about their job that they kind of hate. And, uh, it's not an easy life. And even when yeah. you're, you know, when you're in the, um, in any of the large orchestras or even in a smaller, um, house orchestra a smaller city orchestra um or fest contract for a singer it's like there are going to be things about that life that also don't are not so appealing and absolutely uh, so but we forget that don't we when we're only looking at the one thing that we that one singular goal and that thing that we're not getting well you know what's even crazier in my case is that i did i had i was in that system and i left it and so I knew exactly why I was leaving it. And, and yeah. speaking of your body telling you, I yeah. I developed tinnitus and and I realized, mm-hmm. yeah, that is a really huge sign that my body is telling me this isn't yeah. working and yeah. so what else is out there. And so, yeah. um, and when I left my job as principal cellist of the Deutsche Oper, people thought I was completely crazy. And, mm-hmm. um, but I knew that I was doing the right thing. And yet sometimes on a bad day, I will still look yeah. back and think, Oh, I made all the wrong decisions. And, yeah. you know, <laughs> gosh, that is, I, 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 on one hand, I want to say that's so brave of you, but on the other hand, that somehow feels um, like the wrong thing to say. It wasn't brave. It was just smart of you. It was just well, really like you were making the right decision for you. Right. And, and people used to say that that was brave. And I would right. actually respond by saying, well, I had no choice. I actually yeah. had no choice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. At that point, your body wasn't allowing you another choice. Yeah. No. But yeah. don't you think, I mean, it would be so much easier if we could just create this kind of community that you've created with your family yeah. in, <laughs> in our, in our institutions, yeah. in our schools, where, where we just say, look, everybody is going to have their own path. 
-hmm. it's not going to look like this cookie cutter path that our curriculum is designed for yeah. it's nor should it yeah yeah it's going to look yes. like like a dandelion or something <laughs> absolutely little yeah <laughs> little seeds going off in different directions. Yeah. Well, what do you Possibly. think? I mean, this is something we think about a lot, but what do you think these institutions, like the one we work in, what yeah. could we be doing to encourage the kind of career that you have? I think that exposure is a huge element to that. So it's hard to aspire to something that you don't know exists. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's hard to be okay. Not just not aspire to, not even aspire to, but, but, but think of it as an option. Right. If you never see a really great example of that. So I know that when I was at Eastman, it was, it was quite in the early years of their, um, arts leadership program. And I was so grateful. That was actually one of the reasons why I chose to go there. Um, I guess, uh, you know, I have to say in my heart of hearts, I always knew that singing was not it, the end all be all for me. It was, it was yeah. something I did really well and was quite successful at. Um, but it was, it, I always knew that it wasn't what defined me um, or the only thing that I wanted to be doing. So I was really grateful that I had found a program that um, that wanted to develop citizens of the world and not just in musicians in their small little fach. Um, and I'm super grateful for that. I, I took full advantage of that program. I took so many different things, everything from audio engineering to um, grant writing and music and the law and marketing and yeah, lots, lots of different things. Um, and it opened my eyes to all a huge variety of different things and different ways that I could use my background and use the, and, and, and ways also that I could see my training as simply a way of teaching me to think and not necessarily as um, mm -hmm. a means to an end of like, mm -hmm. if I do this, I'm going to get this job. Um, I think, I think institute, music institutions having, pulling back a little bit and giving students the opportunity to see that the, the, the training that they're getting, like I said, is that it's uh, that it's it's teaching you how it's teaching you how to how to approach a problem. It's teaching you how to approach um, like program management, like creating um, systems uh, to go from point A to to Z for a project. Like, you know, if you're learning um, if you're learning an entire opera role, you have to break that down into pieces and you have to tackle each of those pieces and you probably have to make a list for that. And then you, you have to check those off and check back in with yourself. And, you know, and are you, is it the language that you have correct? Do you need some help with now to work a little bit more on the, um, on the rhythms? Like what are, what are the different, you break it down into elements. That's project management right yeah. there. Yeah. You're learning. So true. Mm. Yeah. You're learning skills that are, widely widely applicable in the muggle world in the wider world um, <laughs> um, you just earned points with my daughter <laughs> absolutely right. yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> um yeah it's it, it, these the, 
I don't think we appreciate enough the beauty of the different if, of the different way that we are taught to think about things mm. as musicians and as artists. In some ways, I have to say this is this is my own little thing that I, you know, we talk a lot about artists, and I think I hesitate to use that word as the term for what we all do. Not that we aren't, we are artists, absolutely. But I think that there's so much that has gone into, there's, there's a lot of weight to that word, artist. Um, it, there's weight in society where people think that it fits. There's a lot of, there's almost like an othering when you call someone an artist, where it's, it's a beautiful thing, but it's also like, you Exotic know, those muggles, a little like, <laughs> oh, like, right. yeah. Um, off to the side and, and, you know, sure, there are aspects, of course, that make, that make us a little, you know, maybe off to one side of, of the normal way of thinking or doing things. But, um, when you, when you use a term that can be so loaded like that, I think that it, it sometimes becomes way too easy to put yourself into a box. I like to think of it as more like living you know, living creatively or being a creative person or thinking creatively. Um, it's more about the process than it is about the thing or that identity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah that's so important. Yeah. Really and, important. and, and just, just tying it back to what you were saying before, like then when you think of it more like the bigger picture thing, instead of thinking of myself like, oh, I'm an artist, I could never work in business. Oh, I'm an artist, I could never, or, you know, I'm a musician, I could never work in TV and broadcasting. Um, I could never work with startups. Well. <laughs> you're limiting really? yourself. You're yeah. limiting yourself. Yeah. You're limiting yourself. So if you... If you can, if you could take a step back, if these institutions can help us to see how to take a step back, how to, how to break down into pieces who we are and the education we've, we're getting into elements that can then be used dynamically in the mm. world, then I think that serves us very, very well. That's, That's fantastic. So yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think the implication of that would be that music schools, colleges mm -hmm. would need to take their role as as their role of, of preparing professional musicians a little bit less seriously in a way, mm -hmm. or to make that not the only focus. Mm. That, and, and that is kind of a paradox because especially yeah. music colleges in countries where they are really not subsidized by the government or, or mm -hmm. arts endowments, they, mm -hmm. they have to prove that they are producing really high level artists all the time. Yeah. And that is the, that is the reason for their existence. And that's the Absolutely. justification. And so this is, it's really kind of a vicious circle. I wonder. And it kills yeah. innovation. Yeah. yeah. Nothing new can come out of that. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah. Nothing new can come out of that. Yeah. You're so right. And I, I, I applaud what you guys are doing you're working within a system to change it and <laughs> to expand it to like help it test its boundaries a little bit and work working from within is 
so powerful, so powerful. I think it's, 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 it's harder. Sometimes you're, you're swimming upstream, but I think the impact is a lot more direct than somebody coming from the outside saying like, I know how you should do that. You should do this differently. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. nobody, nobody likes somebody coming in, telling them what to do, but, um, but from the inside, it's a, it's a different thing. Yeah. And it's super, it's super what you guys are, what you guys are doing. Well, thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah. Recently, I got my metaphors mixed up and I said that I was, I felt like a black sheep swimming upstream and <laughs> <laughs> sometimes I do. <laughs> I think that fits it. pretty well. That's <laughs> great. It. Oh, yeah. Well, that's, that's a really um, a great place to close this this conversation, I think. And I'm thrilled that you're going to be with us again in a week, coaching our students and getting into the practicalities of project planning and development. We are looking forward to that. But thank you so much for taking the the time tonight. (laughs) Okay, so my last question um, has, again, nothing to do with music. Um, I'm wondering, is there something besides music that you are super passionate about and that you feel like enriches your life. Just a personal, Ooh. a personal note at the end. Oh my gosh. How many, th- lots of I things. I mean, I know again, you have a lot of things, but. Lots of th- all the things. I'm, I'm like, Give us yes. a few then. Okay. I'll, I'll Non-music related passions. Okay. Non-music related passions. And by the way, let me just say, I think it is extremely important that musicians should have other passions other than music please make (laughs) friends who are not musicians go outside of your practice room walls and meet people who have nothing to do with what you do please do it do it you're going to be happier for it in the end it's going to be uncomfortable because you might not know exactly what to say to them in the beginning um but yeah this is great advice it yeah. makes us all so much better people and better listeners and more uh, connected. And mm-hmm. yeah. So I heard one people who are not musicians. <laughs> people who are not musicians. That actually is a huge passion of mine. <laughs> um, I will say anything involving the mountains. I love living here. I love the mountains. I love. Um, now I'm really into cycling, um, so Reinhard, so road biking and um, and hiking. And I stayed over. I did my first solo hike and stayed in a hütte by myself last nice. summer. That was awesome. Nice. Um, yeah, and um, really not easy, but I did it. And um, and you know I love skiing and now ski touring and that all of that. Um, cooking, love cooking. Um, and photography and making media stuff, videos. And yeah, I do feel kind of terrible. Uh, I will just say, considering the fact that I am a professional media person, um, typically I actually do have a nice microphone and the camera situation, but I had all (laughs) sorts of uh, difficulties today because this is technology, right? No, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, it's, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm literally a voiceover artist and I have a beautiful microphone uh, <laughs> that it costs a lot of money and I get paid a lot of money to do these things. And of course, nothing worked when I tried to plug it in. So, oh, well, I'm glad it's not just us. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we okay. do have one question coming in from Please. students. What yeah. would you say to young students who are starting a new project with things that are unfamiliar for them? Ooh. 
Hmm. And I think they mean also media, like a new yeah. kind of medium that they're working new on. Medium. Okay. Um, I would say make a list of, make a list of, first of all, define your end goal. What is it? What are you trying to achieve? Then break it down into pieces. What are the things that you need to do to get to the end goal? Like big steps, just think big, big, big. Then you can break it down into smaller steps from there. Maybe you need to, uh, if say you're you're putting on a um, you're putting on a concert in a venue that you've that you've never used before. Well, you need to maybe call the people that um, to set it up. You need to program the stuff, but you have to actually be in the space to see. Um, okay, does the acoustic work? Um, how many chairs are we going to need? You need to get really, really granular about the, the, the specific things that go into it. And maybe some of those things are going to be things you're totally unfamiliar with. Maybe it's, um, maybe it's uh, that you're, you're going to need to um, live stream it and you've never live streamed music before. And live streaming music is quite complicated it's not the same thing as just setting up a um a phone and just like doing a little you know going live on facebook it's if you want to have really good quality you need to have the right stuff so then you figure out what the questions are you figure out how you need that thing to connect to the end product and then you figure out who can help you get that answer because it's okay that you don't know it but there are people out there who are really good at knowing those answers. And I bet if you just approach them op open and come to them, not just like teach me everything you know, but here's the research I've done. Come with intelligent questions. Come with questions that have, that show that you already have put in your homework. And then those experts are gonna be, first of all, really impressed. And second of all, much more open to teaching and showing you uh, the way. That's really good. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. Thank you. We have one more last question. I don't know if you still have a minute or two. Yeah. Ask away. I'm happy to answer as many this questions is, as you're coming. This is a big one. Um, yeah. <laughs> we have a student asking, are there any methods for coming out of limiting identity mindsets? Woo. That is a great question. What an amazing, wow, what an amazing question. Huh. I've totally gone through this. I think that most of us have. Anyone who's, who's gone outside of your comfort zone has faced this question, how the heck do I fight against my own limiting beliefs? Because we are the ones, we're, we are always the ones standing in our own way. Mm -hmm. The thing that helped me, and again, I can really, yes, there are lots of things. I've read books upon books and podcasts upon podcasts and, um, uh, you know, all of this. And I'm happy to share those with you guys afterwards when we talk next week. But one of the things that has helped me a lot um, is, to, is, to prove, is to prove to myself that I can keep showing up that to prove to myself that I can take small steps. And this is, this is not, I didn't make this up. This is something that I had, that someone else had to kind of teach me. So you don't have to, you don't have to go from 
you know, your small box of thinking to that end goal of wherever you want to get to in one step. It's all about those incremental, small ways that you show yourself that you are stepping outside of your comfort zone a little bit, and then you can step back. But you know that your boundary has just expanded just a little bit more, and you're showing up for yourself. You're proving to yourself that you can do it. So then you go back to where you were. Okay, reevaluate. How did that feel? Did that feel okay? Yeah. Did you die? No. Were you nervous? Yeah. What, can you maybe think about doing it again? Not right now, but maybe tomorrow. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well then tomorrow you find one more way to take one step beyond even what you did the last time. And then you can retreat and then figure out how did that feel? Keep checking in with yourself. Did you, did it make you feel proud? How, what did it look like? What did it really feel like? What did that pride feel like? then you keep going. It's just those incremental steps. And every time you're stepping outside of that boundary, you're getting a little bit closer to changing that mindset because the mindset, the limiting mindset comes with the boundaries that you've set for yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the thing that really struck me when you were saying that just now is how you have to acknowledge your feelings, both Hopefully. the terrified feelings and also, and this is something I'm not good at, take a moment to pause and feel what it feels like when, yeah. when you realize that you didn't die, like yeah. <laughs> feel those moments yeah. when, when something yeah. feels good and, and take a second to really like remember in your body for next time. Yeah. That's like, <laughs> absolutely. That's, that's been so helpful mm -hmm. for me as well. I, one other mm -hmm. quick little thing, and you just reminded me of this. I, um, I use a method of keeping my brain and my life together called a bullet journal. And it's a, it's a, it's just a way that works for me. It's a system that's very flexible and that you can sort of um, tailor to however you need it. And it's, it's basically like, you kind of like make a whole brain dump of things that whatever's going around in your head and you um, you arrange things and you move things day to day or whatever. But I do this in the morning, every morning uh, with my coffee. Most mornings, I can't say every morning because I'm not always consistent about it, but I do. Um, I have a gratitude practice where I have, I, I always write three things um, whenever I'm setting up my day. Um, I, I write three things that I'm grateful for and that taking that time to put positive energy into my day and out into the world, it literally on a neurological level can change the way your brain functions, but also it helps remind you that you're on the right path, that you're doing the right stuff, that your day yesterday wasn't a total disaster, even though it probably felt like it was. Um, but it also gives you a chance to, to then be really intentional about checking in with with how things like that really feel. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, so helpful. All right. Thank you. Thank you all. Oh, thank, thank you. Thank too. you. Bye. Bye, Erin. See you soon. Thank you for listening to Out of Rich Darkness. If you've enjoyed this episode, please take the time to leave us a review so that more people can find us. You can help us grow our community of positive change by engaging with us. What's on your mind? Who should we talk to next? We'd love to hear from you on social media.